Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Trag, and Dave. We're three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all times and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is an affiliate of Amazon.com. Hey, if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyway, it'd be cool if you'd first click on the Amazon link on the Rocktail Hour homepage. And Amazon will kick back a few bucks of any of your purchases to the Rocktail Hour so that we can help fund this free podcast. Today, Treg is going to bring us the story behind The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac is another one of my favorite bands that we hadn't covered yet, so I had to pick my favorite song by the band. The Chain is off of Fleetwood Mac's 1977 masterpiece, Rumors. Rumors uh, won a Grammy in 1978 as Album of the Year, and it sold over 40 million copies, putting it in the top 10 all-time for album sales. Let's let's talk for a minute about the album before we talk specifically about the song. All of the songs on Rumors were written during a string of breakups within the band. And they were all taking place just as the band was starting to take off. They they had a great debut album before that. I shouldn't say debut album. Actually, Fleetwood Mac was a great blues band back in the day. Hmm. Then when uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined with them, and and that's the, what we most of us know as the as the modern Fleetwood Mac. They had a an eponymous album, Fleetwood Mac, it, just before Rumors came out, which was also a great album. Hmm. But this is a phenomenal album, I think. So during the recording of this album, Stevie Nicks was breaking up with Lindsey Buckingham, Christine and John McVie were divorcing, and Mick Fleetwood and his first wife were separating. So it seems like all the pain and heartache and, and some of the joy that they were all suffering at this time was aired out in these songs. According to Christine McVie, the fact that the lyricists were focusing on the various separations became apparent to the band only with hindsight. Seems like they didn't realize it at the time, she thinks. You Make Loving Fun is about her boyfriend, the band's lighting director, after she split with John. And Dreams by Stevie Nicks is about a breakup and has a hopeful message, but... Lindsey Buckingham's Go Your Own Way is pretty pessimistic, mm. yet they're all breakup songs. This is a pretty incestuous band in some <laughs> yeah, regards, right? It's like it's they're true. all hooking up with each other, they're married, they're divorced, they're hanging out with their lighting guy. <laughs> right. A lot of intra-band love going Keeping on. Keeping it in the family, exactly. Yeah. John McVie suggested the album title because he felt that the members were trying to write journals and diaries about each other through their music. And can you imagine how the band members must have felt as they're playing songs that were venting at each other? I mean, for example, Christine McVie's song about You Make Loving Fun, about the lighting guy. John McVie's playing bass on that, about his soon-to-be ex-wife and her new boyfriend. Yeah. That's pretty wild. If you think about the chemistry between band members, it's it's such a razor-thin edge that bands walk because you're all joining together in this creative uh, endeavor and you see great bands feuding and fighting all the time just because that's a natural byproduct of trying to create great music together i think yeah um, the beatles um name any of the great bands they all did it hendrix and his musicians they they all had issues compounding that with a bunch of romances i can't i can't believe that they existed as long as they did and they cut as many albums yeah. as they did frankly True. and then you add in all the alcohol and drugs that they were taking yeah. too you know it could end in disaster or it could create 
a masterpiece, right. which I think in this case they created a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Side two of rumors begins with the chain. Uh, the band has said it, it was the chain that held them together and allowed them to regroup over the decades. So let's talk, let's talk about the meaning of the chain. It's generally believed that Stevie Nicks wrote the lyrics about Lindsey Buckingham as their relationship was falling apart. As the song opens, they sing together, listen to the wind blow, watch the sun rise, run in the shadows, damn your love, damn your lies. So the opening verse of the song presents an image of a, of a woman waiting up all night for her cheating lover to come home. I don't know whether this has anything to do with the reason that Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham broke up, though. Not sure about that. So then in the song, the woman says to the man, and if you don't love me now, you will never love me again, which seems to mean that their relationship is irreparable at that point. And then she says, I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. And in the song, the chain seems to be the love that bound them together, that the lover had promised never to break. And then in the next verse, she's listening to the wind blow again as the sun sets, and the line is, break the silence. So... I'm wondering whether that means that until this point, maybe they hadn't discussed the infidelity and now they're breaking the silence. Mm. Possibility. And then the next line, damn the dark, damn the light. And perhaps she hates the night when he's away and hates the light when he returns. Mm. So that's one possible interpretation. (laughs) I like that. The chain came to represent the resilience of the band and the strength of their bond as they continued on for many years despite their personal and professional difficulties, which are famous. And it's generally the first song that they play in concert as well. Yeah, it's a good opening song. It kind of starts with that, like you said, the bass drum and then exactly. the, the acoustic and then the electric layer on top of it. And then the vocals come in. It's a nice intro for with a concert. With the lights totally off, too. You just all of a sudden hear Mick Fleetwood's kick drum yep. banging away and, mm-hmm. and uh, it gets everybody screaming. I was just going to say, I despise Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I despise Fleetwood Mac. Don't sugarcoat I, it. I can't. I can't say any. I just I hate it. Uh, I was talking to Dave before we started the the podcast, and there in Utah, there's there's nine classic rock and roll stations, and I guarantee you, I would bet you money that if you flip through all nine of them at any given time, one of them would be playing a Fleetwood Mac song, and and it's my opinion that Fleetwood Mac is so overplayed in this market that if you live in Utah long enough, you will come to despise Fleetwood Mac. But I will say, in fairness, I do like this song. I don't like Fleetwood Mac, but I really do like this song. This song, this this is a great song. And I don't dislike all of Fleetwood Mac's songs, but for the most part, they're just not my favorite. Well, that's what you get for listening to radio. What's the matter with you? Well, look, I haven't listened to radio for a long time in, in Utah. Okay, then you should be over it. Well, I'm not because it's <laughs> painful and and you can't choose my feelings. <laughs> but I do like this song. This song is is a very good song and I do recognize that uh the modern Fleetwood Mac are very talented uh musicians. Definitely. And so I give them credit for that. It's they're just not my favorite. Yeah. And despise is an awfully strong word. I don't despise any band really. I just it's just not my favorite. You don't despise Justin Bieber? <laughs> I uh, I said rock and roll band. Ah, very good. Okay, okay. You didn't say rock yeah. and roll bands. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, this isn't teen pop hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the chain is a very powerful song. It features beautiful harmonies and a heavy driving beat and masterful guitar work. It's interesting that it's the only song during this Buckingham Nicks era that was credited to the whole band. Interesting. Yeah, Mick Fleetwood said the following. 
The chain basically came out of a jam. It was very much collectively a band composition. Hmm. The riff is John McVie's contribution, a major contribution, because that bass line is still being played on British TV in the car racing series to this day, the Grand Prix thing. But it was really something that just came out of us playing in the studio. Originally, we had no words to it, hmm. and it really only became a song when Stevie wrote some. Hmm. She walked in one day and said, I've written some words that might be good for that thing that you were doing in the studio the other day. So it was put together. Lindsay arranged and made a song out of all the bits and pieces that we were putting down onto tape, and then once it was arranged and we knew what we were doing, we went in and recorded it. I think they took part of Christine McVie's demo, Keep Me There, and they also recycled the intro from a Buckingham Nicks song, Lola, My Love. And Lindsay Buckingham said that they named the song The Chain because it was compiled from the various pieces that they had been playing together in the studio. Now, that is actually an interesting thing that makes me want to say something that might be perceived as a little bit cheesy, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. So I think that great bands almost all have kind of a quote-unquote fifth member or fourth, whatever you want to call it in the sense that you have the members of the band that come together, but it's the chemistry among the band that kind of only happens with that particular mix of personalities and talents and whatever you want to call it that makes the band kind of what it is. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm trying not to sound trite or, you know, or silly by saying that, but it's interesting to me that Fleetwood Mac could actually, with all of that conflict that they had internally, could all write a song together and legitimately credit the entire band as they created this thing. Um, that's, I think that's a, a testament to how, how powerful their music was when they came together. Yeah. You know, and if one of their members theoretically were not to be there, that chemistry gets disrupted and that kind of fifth or sixth member of the band is gone and it's not the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you hear that in their vocals. Um, I can say that I don't really care for their music, but I can't imagine a band that has more tighter harmonies and, and vocals than they do. When they sing, all, all of the band members sing together and, and, and they're harmonizing. It, it, it sounds like, it almost sounds like one person with, with different parts of their voice. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I'll give them that. Yeah. Especially right. Buckingham Nicks on, on this one, their voices, they're, they're, they have both have very distinctive voices. Mm -hmm. And to, when they join together on this song, it really creates something special. I think I'd say Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles are probably tied for first and second in that here in one order you. or another on, in terms of vocal harmony. Yep. Maybe Beatles up there too. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles in that order—is that what you said? No, I would actually put the Eagles a little ahead of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, isn't that funny? I would actually say differently, and I know I don't like Fleetwood Mac, but I would—I would put the vocals of Fleetwood Mac over the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could make the argument either way. I think I'm not trying to argue. I just—I don't know, really. I, the Eagles in terms of vocals. Yeah, I think I would have to make the argument for the Eagles, but that's another podcast I'm, I'm entirely. With I'm with Dave. I, I love both the bands, but I, I think I'd put the Eagles just slightly ahead. Mm. Well, let, let's talk about Lindsey Buckingham, because uh, he has quite a unique uh, guitar playing style that I think really shows on this song. He is on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitar players. He's listed as number 100. He came out with a, an album several, uh, a few years ago, I think, or maybe it was long ago. Solo I just album. got it. Yeah. He has a solo album, and it's... Phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's good. His guitar playing is yeah. outstanding. He plays an electric guitar as if it was an acoustic guitar. He has a, this distinctive hybrid finger-picking style, and it's very apparent at the beginning of the chain 
with the finger-picking guitar over the kick drum creates an amazing sound. To me, it, it gives it kind of a Delta blues feel if, mm -hmm. you, if you listen to that in isolation. It really does. So Lindsey Buckingham explained, I started playing acoustic as a young teenager before I got an electric, and I still often think that way when I compose and play. So he thinks like a an acoustic guitar player with an electric guitar is what he's saying there. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Okay. And he plays it as if it was an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone said that Lindsey Buckingham transmuted the folk music of his banjo-playing youth into stadium rock. Glistening, harmonized leads, crisply snapping chords, and frenetic, arpeggiated breakdowns. In the middle of the song, there's a rhythm stop, and John McVie tears up this bass solo using a fretless bass guitar. And the bass solo sets up this hard-driving rhythm that speeds up the tempo for the end of the song. And then Buckingham shreds on the guitar while they all harmonize on the outro, repeating, chain, keep us together. Um, Buckingham sings, running in the shadows at the end of it. All together, nice, tight package, great song. Agreed. We've talked on other podcasts how there's a lot of songs that change the tempo. Well, we talked about that with uh, Stare to Heaven. That was one of yeah. Page's, the, one of the reasons he wrote that song is he was tired of having all these radio hits that had to follow this formula. He said, I want to have a song that changes time signatures, that changes tempo, and that kind of builds to this climactic uh, end. So I think, you know, bands were experimenting with that back then. That's definitely what they did on this. I don't know whether they were inspired by Jimmy Page or not, but mm. makes it interesting. Yeah. That's the chain. Awesome. Not as many fireworks as I had hoped, but still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I think, one of their better songs. Yeah, for me sure. too. Well, thanks, Treg. That was an awesome podcast about Fleetwood Mac's chain. Please email us at dudesatrocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong or if you have an interesting suggestion for a podcast of your own. Uh, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.